Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Beautiful Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 92. Ooh, 92. So fun for me. So very fun for you. I don't know what that means, but hey, tonight, in order to kick off the Halloween season, we are going to take a look at one of my favorite freaky films, the 1979 Mannequin Mania cult classic, Tourist Trap. And who better to talk it over with than one of my favorite freaky people? The man who rolls terror and titillation all into one, Mr. Dandy Darkly. You don't know who he is yet, but you're going to soon, and you are going to love the motherfucking shit out of him. Well, I'm not even a minute in yet, and I've already gotten the explicit tag on iTunes. Hooray for me! The Ryan Case, 1874, is an interactive murder mystery in which you are the detective. Scour the streets, catch a killer, and have yourself a grand old time. Visit www.liveintheater.com or call 212-780-4787. Oh, my little babies. Oh, hello, 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 hello. It's so good to be back with you again. And since I've noticed that my numbers have been spiking lately, hey, 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 I want to give a warm, somewhat sticky welcome. To all you new listeners out there, hi, hi, welcome from wherever ye may hail. Don't let the others freak you out. They look at everybody that way. Anyway, just letting you know, I've been on antibiotics, my sinus infection is gone, and I'm feeling great. However, I literally just finished a production uh, performance of The Ryan Case, for which you just heard the promo, and I'm exhausted. Well, not now. I'm not, but I was exhausted, but I took a little nap before recording this section, and so now I'm just, you know, a little fuzzy, feeling a little nappy-poo behind the eyes and things. But then again, I suppose nappy-poo is better than poopy nap, so yay, it's a win-win situation is what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm going to be dragging a little bit, okay? Simmer down. But I'm determined to get this show out to you as quickly as possible. And why is that, Patrick? Why? Because I love you, that's why. Well, yes, yes, that is true. But also because it is, once again, time for the annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. Yay! Yay! Now it's only nominations time, but of course that's just a, that's, that's a big deal is what I'm saying. And I'm a little late because I forgot about it completely like I normally do with everything. And I didn't mention it on the last show, but, you know, given the circumstances of the time, well, you got to cut me some slack. So, if you haven't done it already, please be a sweetie and head on over to www.podcastawards.com and vote for Scream Queens in the category of Best GLBT and People's Choice. And since it's the nomination portion of the event, you only get one shot. If you send more than one vote in at this time, they will be disqualified. So, don't be a headshot Heather. Headshot Heather thought this was the voting process and voted every day, which I appreciate and I love, but her her votes have been nullified. So, don't be a headshot Heather. 
Well, not in this circumstance, because otherwise she's pretty awesome. But that's not the point right now. Go over there and vote. If you're listening to other shows that you love, vote for them in the categories that they deserve to be in and send it on. And hopefully, I'll have a nomination for four years in a row. And I'll begin whoring myself out to you all for the voting process, that whole daily thing, the whole month of November, which is so much fun, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Okay, go do it. Actually, go do it right now. If you haven't done it, go do it right now. Because, you see, you only have until midnight... Pacific Standard Time on October 15th to get your nomination in. Yeah, so most of you are probably hearing this too late, so, ah! But if you're not, if you're not, if you're under the wire, there's still time. Hit the pause button, go do it, and then come back. We'll all still be here. I'll wait for you. And we're giving them a one, two, three, four, five, and they're back! Hi! Thank you so much. That was so cool of you. So, before I go any further... I just have to let you know that my dad is doing fine. New listeners, my dad was put into the ICU last, uh, you know, earlier in the month, about the end of last month, whatever. Two weeks ago is what I'm saying. And it kept me from finishing the episode the way I wanted it to be finished. Well, he's fine. He was home from the hospital in a couple of days. Evidently with the new Obamacare, which he qualifies for, even though it's not in effect yet, because he's got uh, pre-existing conditions, but he was what you call a wait-and-see patient, in which they wait and see to see how he's going to stabilize and things like that, even though they're not really sure what the problem is. They can't stay in the hospital during the wait-and-see process. They have to go home, which was fine with my dad. He was thrilled. He was home watching golf by Sunday afternoon, and that's great, but he's been going for... um, you know, all kinds of ucky upper GI tests, you know, where they stick the tube down your throat. You're like, ah, well, I wasn't, but the rest of you were probably gagging. But that's not the point right now. They found a little teeny tiny lesion in his throat that had become irritated and it was, you know, filling his stomach with ook and gook. And that's why he was vomiting up all that nasty stuff. So isn't that charming? Anyway, since we're on disgusting stuff, let's talk about my butt. Not that my butt is disgusting by any means, but as you all know, I had surgery to have that polynoidal cyst removed from under my tailbone, and it's healing, it's healing. It's a much slower process than I would have liked, and it's been hurting for a really long time. The past few days is the first time it's been feeling okay. The staples came out last week, so instead of looking like, you know, Franken-butt or, you know, uh, now it just looks like a surgery incision. So what I'm saying is I have a huge drooling goopy, pus-ridden hole in my butt. And then there's where the surgery is. Ah! <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm doing fine. Everything's great. What's gross, though? Evidently, the underneath the staples, there are internal stitches because they had to go deep. And the Dodgers like, well, they're going to work their way out slowly. And they are. And it feels really weird because there's one that's pretty much, okay, sorry, sorry, but we got to go there, okay? If you don't, fast forward like 20, 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. There's, there's like one stitch that's connecting like the top of my butt cheeks together, like about a half an inch down, and it's starting to come out. So like there's this big line across, the, I mean, the two rounded crests of my buttocks, and I'm can't see it and it just feels atrocious and I just keep like poking back there and I keep singing like a bridge over Patrick's butt cheeks that's what this feels like and because I'm mature that way but hopefully they'll come out soon I see the doctor on Wednesday and hopefully this is the end of all that nonsense 
Oh, I wanted to talk about this really quickly because I had one of these perfect New York City moments. I'm still doing the Ryan case, but I'm not working in Jekyll and Hyde right now because of the surgery. Just can't, I'm not ready for that yet. But I, I get off the subway at 2nd Avenue and there was a guy on the other side, uh, on the uptown side, playing the guitar and singing. And I couldn't even make out the words, but the way he was playing and his voice stopped me dead in my tracks. And my arms just broke down, broke? My arms just broke out with damn goose pimples is what I'm saying. Good Lord, Patrick. Yes, I majored in English. I studied Shakespeare with Judy Dench. That's how I talk now. And anyway, um, yeah, but I was goose pimples all over. And I'm an actor. I'm poor. I rarely give money to the street performers, even though it breaks my heart. I'm like, I wish I had something. I was like, scrambling in my bag looking for anything. So I think I gave him like 85 cents and a stick of gum. You know, I went all the way up, boop, 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 took the stairs. I got up, got down, you know, had to go on the other side, you know, had to swipe my Metro card again. Let's give him some money because he was that good. I'm feeling great afterwards. I'm like, that was great. That's such a perfect little moment. You had this little unexpected bit of joy during a daily commute that's like blah, blah, crowded because it was Comic-Con today, so there was all the weirdos out. You know who you are. I love you, but you're out and clogging up my trains, damn it. So I'm walking out of the subway like do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. So I have my electronic cigarette out. For those of you who've been following, the smoke hood has been going fine. I'm off a regular, 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 God, what is with me today? Regular cigarettes for a while now, and I'm just using the E1. I'm um, not using the one that, you know, Badger Angel gave me anymore because it was a bit big, so I just have this little, you know, cigarette-sized one. I'm walking along, doodly-doo, 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 doodly-doo. And for those of you who are smokers in heavily populated areas, you will know this, that you can't walk a half a block with a cigarette in your hand without somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, do you happen to have an extra cigarette I can bomb? Or borrow, which I love. Like, you're going to give it back. And I'm like, Ugh. it annoys me. I would never do that. So it annoys me whenever somebody does that. Because I'm like, this is New York. This shit is like gold. It's like $85 a pack here. But that's not the point because I'm not buying them any amount anymore. So I'm walking along the street. And some guy comes up to me and he sees me, you know, blowing out the smoke. And he goes, hey, man, do you have an extra cigarette? And I said, no, man, this one's electronic. And it was great fun. It was great fun. So I'm feeling great until I got to the dressing room and put on my pants that fit perfectly last week. Somehow, somehow, now would not close. Like, not even remotely close. Somehow, over the last week, I started retaining Lake Michigan, and I don't know what happened. I'm fat. I'm fat, Mama. I'm fat. Yeah, so that was my end of my perfect New York moment. But let's move along, shall we? What other backlog stuff do we need to talk about? Huh? I said log. Oh, uh, Marilyn, the audiobook that I've been working on, is currently dead in the water. Not that it's not coming out. It's just sitting there on the website, the publisher website, which is run by Amazon and Audible, Audible, Audible. And the files have been up for almost a month now. And I've noticed nothing's happening. And this is my first time using this site, so I'm going, is this normal? Is this normal? I contacted the publisher. I'm not getting any answer. So I called the people that ran the site because I heard they're great and they're on the side of the, the artists that work there to make, you know, want to make sure everybody gets paid. 
the way it's supposed to. We, we earned our money. We spent our time hiding in closets, talking under blankets to make this damn thing. So we should be getting our money. And they said, oh, well, yeah, he's been calling us and he's been complaining that the cover art can't get uploaded. And the way the format works, if the cover art doesn't get uploaded, nothing else happens. So it's been in limbo. I don't know what's going on. I'm giving them until Monday and then I'm going to raise some shit is what I'm saying. I'm going to be like busting busting chops and throwing bows and all that other stuff. And, it's, and as soon as that book's out, you guys will know and you will buy it and you will laugh and maybe some of you will whack off to it because it's erotica and I don't know how I feel about that yet. I'll let you know later. How about that? Okay. What's been going on around the house? I don't know how to present this particular issue that has come up. Bradford. You know, the amazing Mr. Bradford, my partner. He has decided he doesn't want to be called Bradford anymore. Well, he does. But he's decided that his new name is Bradford Shubabala Maxine. But you can call him Shubabala for short. This just came up one day. He just said it. And I'm like, what? What's happening? What? He's like, yes. I'm Bradford Shababala Maxine the first. Actually, I'm not the first first because the Shababala Maxine namesake only goes up to 28 and then it restarts. I said, Bradford, what you talking about? And he's, I, 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 I still don't know. But I just want you to know if any of you are in communication with Bradford on Facebook or anything like that or email, just be aware. You might want to make sure to throw in the Shubabala Maxi. I don't know what's happening. I have no idea what's happening there. But you know what? I do know what's happening. I forgot to mention this last time. Well, again, again, it slipped through my fingers because of everything that was going on. But as some of you may know, something very special has happened to, rather I should say, happened between two of our most, you know, famous or infamous listeners, depending on how you look at it. People that have become, you know, royalty of the Scream Queens Horror Podcast. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about Betty and Durbin. Because they have officially gotten married. Her now, look at her now walking down the aisle with that big red ham on her dress. You hussy. My God, look at them. Look at them destroying the institution of gay marriage like that. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Well, in all seriousness, congratulations to you both. You know I love you, and everybody else loves you, even though I give you a hard time for being so fucking perfect about everything that you do. At least now I know this marriage is probably going to work out pretty good because you're pretty good at everything. Okay, okay, that's great. So, what have I been watching? Quite a lot because between the sinus infection that's been lingering for over a month, plus my butt surgery, the recuperation, not being able to walk around or do things like that for very long, I've watched a lot, a lot of TV because that's all there is to do. But as a result, I've seen an awful lot of movies that I can talk to you guys about to either rave about briefly or, or scare you off of because there are just wretched, 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 wretched. There's a lot of them, so I'm just going to get going, get going, and get gone. So, first off, first off, I know you know that I am over the whole zombie genre. I'm bored of it. I was bored of it for a, for a long time now. 
done. There's nothing new happening there. And it's bottom of the barrel filmmaking. Well, second now that second to the bottom now that uh, found footage has taken over. But I saw a German movie called Rambach, Berlin Undead. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's really good. It's really tight. It's really passionate. It's got great characters. And, and it's a little over an hour long. It's pretty much just a TV episode, but that means that the action never, never, never stops. And I like what they did with the zombies. They did some new things with the zombies. Not new, but just the look of them was different. Um, you know, they got red, funny rash, and their eyes turned gold, reflective gold, which I thought was cool. And I, I really liked it. I, I highly recommend Rambach, Berlin Undead, because, like I said, it's not a huge time investment. So, and if you don't like it, well, fuck you. What were you going to watch anyway? How many episodes of Bones can you watch, right? Okay, moving along. Then I saw Bad Kids from Hell. Then I saw a movie called Bad Kids Go to Hell. I think a better title might have been Bad Movie from Hell. The setup sounds great. Sounds like the Breakfast Club kids in for a weekend detention and they start getting killed. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's all style over substance. But the thing is, it doesn't make any sense. Not a lick of sense plus Everybody's obnoxious. Everybody's obnoxious. And it's based on a comic book. And I don't know if I don't get it because I don't read the comic book, but you know what? I don't care. You failed. Failed, 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 failed. I don't read Spider-Man either, but I liked those movies. So lick it before you stick it. A few episodes ago, I spent the entire time ripping apart three awful examples of British filmmaking. So I want to talk about one right now called The Expelled. I was looking forward to this because I've heard a lot about it from Justin and the guys over at the Hysteria Continues podcast. It's a British film, naturally, so it's been released over there for a long time under the title of F, as in fail. They didn't go with that title for the state, so I just kind of realized it was the same. Not the point right now. But it's a high school. There's a teacher. He's in all kinds of... He's having kind of a breakdown. He's having trouble with his students, and he's under investigation by the faculty, not the, not the faculty, but yeah, yeah well, let's just say the, the board, let's say that. And this one night, the school is beset upon by a gang of chavs. You know, those things that British people are so afraid of, you know, those youths in hoods. You know, I haven't seen a people so afraid of kids in hoods outside of the Zimmerman family in Florida. That might have been in bad taste, but hey, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't love this movie because it wasn't what I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be action-packed slasher, something or other, but it's really kind of not. Yeah, they're killing everybody one by one, but there's, I don't know, there's something else going on. There's more psychological things, something deeper going on, and I think I feel like I need to watch it again, so it is a cautious recommend to you. If you don't like it, blame Justin. He's been raving about it forever, okay? It's not my fault. Come out and play was a Spanish film I saw. It was pretty much Children of the Corn on an island, and nothing new happened there. It's not bad. It's just nothing new. So there, moving right along. Come out and play. Play with this, yo. Play with this. I shouldn't say that because it's a movie about kids. That's just gross now. Okay, never mind. Time, time, time. Out on the big screen, I got to see the major releases because now I'm getting into my SAG screenings again, and I love them. I love seeing things for free. Because I'm cheap, or I should say poor, or whatever, or both, who cares. But I got to see Captain Phillips, and it's really good. It's really tense and really exciting, and I really like this part, this one part, when they're, like, on a boat. 
that part was really, really good. I highly recommend that part. And plus, by the end, Tom's shirt. Tom Hanks got his shirt off, and he's looking kind of chunky, muscular, beefy, hairy, kind of hot. Don't make me lust after you, Tom Hanks. That's just weird. That is just weird. And finally, I got to see Gravity. I know everybody's seen Gravity by this point, but I just want to say this one thing. I think the title should have been called Oxygen. Because there were points during that movie that I thought I was going to hyperventilate. And when I wasn't going to hyperventilate, I was going to vomit. And here's the thing, I loved every second of both of that. I never felt comfortable for a second during this movie, and that's exactly where you're supposed to be. And it's amazing that they were able to pull that off. The special effects and everything aside, the whole experience, totally worth the, the IMAX, totally worth the 3D, and believe the hype. Because I told you to. Well, I think I've been rattling on long enough, so I think it's time to get into the show proper, or I should say improper, since Dandy Darkly's going to be here, and play some music and get down to business. So let's do that. It's impossible to tell you right now. If I tried it, I'd never know how. She's lucky for me. Far as I know, far as I see, I'm the winner, boy. I'd make a mess, baby, unless you say so. It's impossible, it's not my style. If I tried it, I'd miss by a mile. I'm not worth a dime. Ain't got the stuff, ain't got the time. I'm a loser, I ain't for success, baby, unless you say so. If you say I can do things, lots of new things, even Okay, my beautiful screamers, welcome to the main portion of our first... Entry into the Halloween spectacular or extravaganza or whatever the fuck I'm calling it this year. So, this time around, I've picked one of my favorite, favorite movies. A little horror flick from 1979 called Tourist Trap. Now, let me tell you one thing up front about this movie. It is bat shit banana crazy. So I thought, hmm, who would be an interesting host to bring on? I said, who is the most batshit, banana-crazy person that I have known ever in my life? Well, of course, there is only one. And let me introduce to you, I am proud to bring to you a master storyteller, a weaver of tales filled with verse, most perverse, and prose that's probably poisonous. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Mr. Dandy Dunkley. Ooh, I'm the boogeyman, the terrible, horrible boogeyman. I come in the middle of the night to frighten bad little girls like you. <laughs> Beware, better have a Oh, Patrick! Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm flattered. Uh, you're very welcome. I see you're very low-key tonight. Did you take a Valium? You know, I've just been doing lines across the Ouija board, and it gets me going. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to do that, because the the planchette starts moving so hard, it's really hard to spell out what they're trying to say. (laughs) 
Oh. I always think Landscape of... poised to uh, for destruction after that. Yes. Now everybody is like, who the fuck is this? I'm Dandy Darkly. Damn right you are. You that name suits you perfectly. Now I've mentioned him in the past. He was introduced to me by Killy, the other known as Mock Bottom, or one of the other eighty-five <laughs> names she goes by. The girl really needs to settle down. Wonderful. And she said, you really got to talk to this motherfucker. So I did. And here we are. Because this guy's going to blow your mind. I'm I'm so excited to be here, Mr. Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, unfortunately, our other guest host who is scheduled to appear with us was just too frightened. (laughs) And I'm talking about Tom from the Better in the Dark podcast. Now... He said, oh, I forgot to watch the movie. Oh, I ran out of time. And I said, I just, exactly. I said, you were scared. You're scared of Dandy. And you should be, because you're heterosexual, and you won't be by the end of the interview. So there. (laughs) So now we're delving into sexual identity politics. Exactly. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now, explain, Dandy, what is it you do? I am a world-renowned storyteller of supernatural sleeves and homosexual horror, Patrick. I weave tales wicked and warped, uh, dirty little ditties to help titillate, terrify, and tickle. <laughs> That's cute. My granny used to do that back in vaudeville. It's nice somebody brought that back. Oh, I, I, I may have known her. I'm sure, <laughs> sure you did. You probably caught her in the gory hole. In the carny circuit. Yes, of course. So, 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 may I ask? Yes. What are you wearing tonight? Ah. <laughs> I am in a home couture this evening, a little low-key, I have my little sleeping cap on, a little skull at the end, beautiful vermilion color, and with that, I have a very nice matching smoking jacket, a little straight jacket beneath, <laughs> very casual here in the dandy home. Well, you know, it is just a Tuesday. <laughs> it is. You know, I'm getting ready for, for Marvel's. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm so excited. Oh, good, 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 good. So, now, you just got back from the Edinburgh Fringe. Edinburgh, listen to me. Edinburgh Fringe (laughs) Festival. I'm so so from Long Island. You went to Edinburgh? Did you see Edna? Edna Edinburgh? She's my favorite. Scotland. I was all over. All over Scotland, searching nonstop for the... uh, for the Loch Ness Monster, and for every kilt I could find, up and stare, up and stare, I didn't find a, a single monster but among you know, them. But a it's couple not, cyclopses, yes. It's not really the journey, the destination, it's the journey, isn't it? Yeah, no. It, exactly, it, 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 exactly. It's the searching, <laughs> not the finding. So, but yes, Patrick, I was in Scotland at the Edinburgh Festival for my my world debut of Dandy Darkly's gory hole, Tales of Sex and Death. And it was wonderful, absolutely amazing. Uh, I recommend it to anyone, anyone who's, who's interested. Oh, everybody's interested. Everybody on this show is so interested right now. Because oh. they're all a bunch of weirdos, and I love them all. Google gobble, Google gobble, one of us, one of us. One of us, one of us. Well done, sir. <laughs> well played. 
Um, what else that I want to ask you about the gory yeah. hole? There was something. We'll have to edit this part out. Gory hole. That's what I said. Oh. I Is there a, any other kind of hole? I just had butt surgery. Sorry. I just had butt surgery, so I have a gory hole right now. Just so you know. <laughs> they all know. Tell us about your surgery. No, that's not. They already know all about it. They're like, oh, we know you have Franken butt. We've all heard about it. We've heard about it. We've Please heard. move on. <laughs> we, we, just wait till they get the Christmas card photo. It's going to be stellar. <laughs> so, well, since Tourist Trap. Oh, Tourist Trap, yes. You know, you know why the it reminded me? Movie of the week. Is it the movie of the year, possibly? I love this movie. And it, you know why it made me think of you? Yeah, yes. The reason why no. I thought of you. There's something about this whole movie that feels like a carnival on crack. And that's how a I fair, feel. A fairground on, amphe- on amphetamines. <laughs> amphetamines? Oh, I love her. No, she's she's wonderful. She nearly won second season of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Got booted out halfway through. And she <laughs> makes a fabulous bunt cake, but that's not the mm-hmm. point right now. And you, sir, also remind me of a carnival on crack. And that's a oh, compliment. That's what, I wanted I to that's what I wanted to tell you. Now, Dandy. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen your shows twice. Uh-huh. And both times, there's something about, I don't know, just timing. Every time I go, I'm either sick or I'm cranky or whatever. So every time I see you afterwards, I'm like, bleh. <laughs> it's now, the voodoo doll of you I keep hidden in my Well, uh, clearly, my, the, first time I, the first time I saw you was the, uh, the Easter show. Oh, yes. What was my, that called? Uh, my Easter blister event. Your Easter blister event. Now, that was more of a variety event, kind of more like a vaudeville burlesque show, and he was the host. So, yeah. this other show that I got to see him in, The Gory Hole, the one that he took yeah. to Scotland, and the one that's coming back to New York very shortly, was all dandy all the time. <laughs> and he told four fabulously frightening tales, one of which I'd heard before, and that didn't matter. Now... Two of the ones I'd heard before uh, d- that were new to me. Mm-hmm. Let me how to, how to phrase this properly. <laughs> it reminded me when I was a kid, and I'd be watching a movie, or maybe I'd be on some kind of Disney ride, and Ooh, it would stop get. Stop it! You're starting to turn me on. <laughs> I know that's the point. Mop it up, honey. I'm not oh, done yet. Anyway, it got to the point where I just kind of this little voice, since the little boy voice in my head said. I don't think I like this anymore. Oh. As in like, now it's not fun anymore. (laughs) All of a sudden it crossed the line from isn't this funny to isn't this really kind of really scary. No, but it's a yo-yo. You cross and you're pulled back. You cross again. You're you're pulled back. You know. But then it's up and down motion for the little boy. (sighs) Don't you belittle yourself, sir. That is a skill. That is a skill because I am a hard sell. And particularly your last story. Um, Oh, golly. Uh, That was uh, A Case of the Vapors. The Case of the Vapors. That one had really actually put me off my lunch in the best possible way. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it took this nice little southern story and all of a sudden it went to like 
Clive, you know, like the kind of sexual deviant um, David Cronenberg having sex with, um, you know, I forget who now. Yes, it's a it's a classic vengeance ghost story set in a set in the deep fried American South, and it it features the the small town of Gaybird, Georgia, and all of the inhabitants there who have their their deep dark secrets hidden away, and and the hypocrisy of of keeping such shameful secrets uh, hidden. It's a fun story. It is a fun story, but what really impressed me about it is when the the, the residents are getting their comeuppance, or rather, giving in to their most darkest desires. And to it, the vapors, they're giving in to the vapors. Yes, yes. So the vapors are taking over, or whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to call it, their vengeance. And I don't know, not vengeance, but you know, their 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 fate. You'd be like, oh yes, that's exactly what should happen, and then it would one step further into just complete depravity. Oh, that would make I mean, it would make Clive Barker blush. What's better, what's better than depravity? Not much, really. Not much. Course. Not much. Not much. <laughs> there's really not much more fun than a school librarian with a pussy full of. <laughs> but that's not the point. Oh, right oh, now. Spoiler alert! Sorry, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay, so now back to the movie, ladies and gentlemen. Before we go any further, according to tradition, I must play the trailer. So we're going to do that right about. Oh. Are you ready, Dandy? Are you ready? Just hold my hand. Absolutely. Every year, hundreds of young people travel the country and disappear. God help those who get caught in the tourist trap. (laughs) Tourist trap, where beautiful young people looking for excitement are tricked, terrorized. suspense that makes this the nightmare that never ends. Something crazy is going on at the tourist trap. Wasn't that fabulous? And good night, everyone. Thank you for coming. I haven't I haven't seen such mannequin terror since uh, uh, Mannequin Two. Thank you. Oh, thank you. On, mannequin on the move. And we will build the stream together. That was that was mannequin, uh, right? I remember that? So. All What's... I remember was Meshack Taylor oh, playing the most flamboyant homo and ever graced the the screen since Tom Cruise. <sighs> 
Yes. <laughs> and what's her name that played the mannequin in the first one? Sort of Sex in the City. Can't think Kim of her name. Kim Cattrall was the first one. And Kim Swanson, the original Buffy, was the Kim first. Cattrall was so wonderful. Who thought that <laughs> when they said a 60-year-old couldn't play that role? They were wrong, wrong, wrong. Oh, I know. And then Christy Swanson just came in and just, I don't know what she did with it. God bless she, Christy Swanson. She took it. She, she stole it. She did. Tried to make it her own. Eat the cookie, mama. That's her favorite moment for me. That's her <laughs> crowning glory. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, no, I don't actually. What's Flower, flowers in the attic. When she stood oh. up to her mother and said, eat the cookie, mama. Here, mother. Our wedding present to you. Go on. Eat it. Eat the cookie! <laughs> the poison cookie. What are we talking about flowers in the attic? Are we doing a show right now? What's happening? We're just like blabbing. It's anyway. out of control, but we're, we're pulling it back. It's like that yo-yo reference. Off and back. We were talking about, uh, oh yeah, tourist trap. What? Oh yes, I remember the film. Now, now, Dandy, could you be a doll and give a quickie plot summary? I know it's going to be difficult, but do your best. You know, I, I would absolutely love to, Patrick. Tourist Trap is this 1979 jewel about um, about nubile nymphs primarily swimming in a mud pit while a, a breathy breathy man watches them from the um, from the bushes over there, and and there's um, there's mannequins all through it, mannequins and dummies just chomping with their little mouths and laughing and laughing, and and there's telekinesis throughout the whole movie, which uh, I was a little puzzled. Maybe we can talk about it. Is it devilish? Is it uh, is it psychokinetic? Or, I never really figured out where the telekinesis was coming from. Uh -huh. Sort of a Michael Myers kind of figure who sort of keeps them and chases these nubile women through the woods. And then everyone gets cut up. And one by one, they start to become mannequins themselves. I thought it was delightful. A wonderful first date movie, perhaps. Wasn't it, though? There's so much to talk about. Now, so very much, really. <laughs> there is. Now, I just one of the things I saw this when I was a kid. I saw it on regular television. And I was sick as a dog. I was running a high fever. And every you time I... You seem to be always sick. Can I I'm, just interject that? <laughs> Dandy, I'm a very delicate creature. I am like a hothouse flower. Vicious, I am not used flower. to these vicious, vicious <laughs> and uncomfortable northern climes. Oh. Don't start with me, girl. I'm not... <laughs> I imagine I you sitting there with a cold press on your head or some 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 other such um Yes, and tissues up, tissues up my nose and all that <laughs> other glorious stuff. But I was running a high fever, and every time I watch this movie, it kind of makes me feel like I still have a fever. Ooh, the vapors, perhaps. Not the vapors, just because it doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like a bad dream in points. They don't even try to make things make sense. No, no, they don't. But in a way, that's what makes it work. You know, I have to say, watching it again, um, I hadn't watched it in quite a while. I, I was quite impressed by the mannequins and by the puppetry. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's all very, very over the top. But I have to say, I like it because of that. Me too. Me too. Now, tube I'll tops. I love the tube tops. Oh, my God, yes. Tanya Roberts was in this, the final of the Charlie's Angels. Star, mm. star of such other bodacious films as Beastmaster and... 
other things when she took her top off. Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, things like that. Yeah. And here she was, and I am gay as a goose, and even I have to say Tanya Roberts was smoking hot in this. Yes. She's she's wrapped. It's 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 quite it's quite a sight. I tell you what. She has her tube top on and she has her short, short jean shorts on, and the camel toe is perfect. This is me talking. When I'm saying like... Exquisite camel camel toe. Normally I'm recoiling in horror and shock and other words that are horrible, but this I was like, nice. Those are lovely words. (laughs) Right on, Tanya. That's what I said. If you're going to do camel toe, do it right. Do it well. There was even a point where she was chained up in the basement. I'm like, you look amazing right now. Yes. She had her legs just perfect. I've seen so many people chained up in basements, Patrick. And, you know, they look a mess. They look an absolute mess. But Tanya Roberts in in Tourist Trap, chained to the radiator. I mean, you know, it wasn't wasn't Black Snake Moan. It was, you go, girlfriend. Exactly. You really know know what you're doing, Dan. I kind of thought she took a page from Tyra's notebook and was like, she got in that basement. She found her light. She did. She gave the broken doll pose, and oh, she, did, she smized. Um, ruefully. Ruefully smizing. So. She wanted that uh, She wanted that title. She certainly did. And it's such a shame that, that Tom couldn't join us, because Beastmaster is one of his favorite movies. And I'm saying that oh. with complete, complete sarcasm, because that was one of those movies back in the day if you had HBO or TBS, was on constantly. It was on all the time. And you had to watch it every time it was on, even though I didn't like it the first time. And in fact, uh, truth be told, it, there's a lot of the similar scenes with the nubile maidens bathing each other in the muddy water. Sure, yes. They wouldn't need to bathe so much if they just found a cleaner pond to bathe in, I think. I thought, I thought that was, a, you know, they charge 75 cents to swim in there for the day, and that looked like a toxic mud swamp to me. <laughs> Thank you. Even the water moccasins were like, uh-uh. Oh, yes, the water moccasins. That was one thing. They were trying to make it the Deep South, right? But it, it was clearly Encino. <laughs> I know. They tried. There were palm trees. It was the, Well, it said Desert Oasis on the oh, sign. Desert Oasis. So who the fuck where it was? Who cares where it was? It was nowhere. It was everywhere. Mm. Now, even the, I, lo- I really like the first scene of this, too, because it really takes you off guard. If you don't know what you're in for, poor little Woody. Poor little Woody. Oh, yes. Walking for so long on his poor burning feet with his flat tire, which his sledding girlfriend couldn't be bothered to come help him with. Mm. With her Lolita sunglasses. That's why I never, I never went in the direction of, of a girlfriend, per se. I mean, oh, that's I why. Expected that's myself why. to have a flat tire and I would be totally unsupported. But yes, Woody is on his way trying to get the flat tire fixed and he comes across an abandoned gas station mm-hmm. which is a, a, in a horror movie anytime you find the abandoned gas station you know it's where the the inbred mutants live or the the crazy old um, no, taxidermist no. or something along those lines yeah nothing good is going to happen to you and he went inside the fool the fool and not only did he go inside he went in the back room because he heard tittering <laughs> I'm sorry, if I'm in an abandoned gas station, I am hearing tittering, and it's not coming from under the stall in the men's room, then I am leaving. Titter, 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 titter. Stop yeah. it, you. Stop it, you. All that tittering. 
But no, the poor guy walks back there and just he, he finds what he thinks is a sleeping woman. Instead, like this mannequin pops up and just starts laughing. He opens another door and this witch mannequin pops out. More of that. <laughs> and it's one, of those th- it's one of those things, that whole scene is like, part of me always thinks this is kind of funny. And the little boy in the back of my head goes, I don't like this anymore. Because it's just fucked up. More mannequins, they're busting through the windows. All them, ha, 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 Stop laughing at me. It just made me want to go down to Talbot's and start smacking, smacking those dummies. Smacking them. You know, beat the dummies to death. I mean, I tell you what, the, the amount, the amount of, of, of mannequin mayhem that happened in Tourist Trap, I think it's really one of the top films of, of its genre to have, to have a, such such things mm-hmm. and i think that's a plus a definite plus yeah, i mean the little boy in the back of of my shed there he too has a similar he very much has a similar reaction to horror movies when i flash them in through the window i'm he sure does. he does i'm sure he does and what did i want to say about the mannequins now dandy i am not even going to presume how old you are and a gentleman would never ask of whatever you are its age Mm-hmm. But uh, do you remember a toy from the 70s called Big Mouth Singers? Hmm. Was it a little animatronic, uh, weird, uh, like they were multicolored with little hats and wigs? No, 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 no. It was like a piano keyboard. No, a piano, yes. And each one, above each key was like a little like plastic head with googly eyes. And when you press the keys, it would open uh, the One of the big mouths would open up and go, ah! Uh, that's what this movie reminds me of a lot every time i watch them like it's the big mouth singers yes because the mannequins themselves they don't have much articulation it's really just a jaw that clamps open down and shut they reminded me of the barbarella dolls the little chompers yes yes and most of them don't even have the articulation they just drop open like they have down syndrome oh just hanging there but then, then the telekinesis was the was the pepper mat. Did, did he have telekinesis? Was that how he was making things fly across the room? And Hold the on, yeah. Hold on. Let me see if I know. I wrote this down now. Yes, I'm going with that. Yes, because there's that really bitchy scene where he's got poor Tanya. Like, was there a, ever an origin story for this villain? Kind of, kind of. Like he got this. Well, okay, it's a twenty. No, 30-year-old movie kids. We're probably going to spoil it a little bit. Almost 40. Shut up. Anyway. Yeah, spoiler alert, you little bitch. And you know what? It doesn't matter. With this movie, it's so weird. Spoilers do not matter. No, it doesn't. I mean, there's a lot going on here, and none of it is fully explained, which I like. But I wrote this down this time around. I'm like, okay, so this guy is a semi-genius mask maker to start with. Mm. Now, you layer on top of that, he's also a schizophrenic murderer Who's telekinetic and a ventriloquist? That's a well, whole. Everyone that's has a, a hobby. That that's a whole lot of bad things stacked up in one person. And yet he, yet even he found a wife. So <laughs> someone for everyone is the lesson. I know. Perhaps you're for me, Patrick. I so. 
You're for <laughs> you're for everyone and no one at the same time. You are a dichotomy. No, it's yin and yang. Or a bichotomy. I don't know. Whichever. Anyway. Um, no, like, I don't know. It seemed to you know, he always had this power and he caught his brothers slipping the shtuki to his beautiful wife, killed them both. And I guess since then, he's just been mad, mad, mad. I wish I had telekinesis, Patrick. I oh, tell you. oh, you know, every time I watch Carrie, I always think somebody, you know, I get in some weird late nights. Possibly marijuana-induced conversation. People will say, what superpower do you want? Most people say invisibility. I say, no, 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 telekinesis. Oh, the havoc. I would... Mm. Just little things. Just little things. Those little kids... I think think that's it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you'd like to fly. I would be wor- I would be worried about you losing your little hats that's always perched precariously on the oh, right. Or I could, you know, I'd have to do double time, keep the little hat on as I fly. Daddy is known for his teeny tiny hats. Now I have seen little children walking around the streets. I'm a fashion plate. I admit it. It's the truth. So what? Sue me. You're a you're a fashion platter, darling. I see little girls walking around with these little dandy darkly hats, and I'm like, how dare you? Oh. How dare you? Who do you think you are? And Halloween I was, is approaching, and it's soon to be the season of the slut. <laughs> I tell you what, did you see that there's a there's a, a slutty uh, there's a slutty uh, version of the sheriff from The Walking Dead costume? No, I have not. I have not. Yes, that, that's very specific. They have uh, one of those uh, Walking Dead, uh, they have one of those slutty Rick Grimes characters. Ugh. And she's all done up with her little mini dress and a, a heaving bosom from a little little sheriff shirt and a little tiny Sheriff Grimes hat. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> but it's also very disturbing. And well, thank you, thank you. Now you've ruined it. So now, now that you've told everybody about it, now I can't wear it. So thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. You have ruined everything once again. Yeah, so anyway, back to the, this movie we're talking about. And yeah, that poor little Woody is killed. And actually, it's a pretty grueling scene. Did you know this movie is PG? No. This movie somehow got a PG rating. And there's some grisly stuff in here. Not necessarily gory, but poor Woody is impaled with a pipe through his back. And you get a long, slow, lingering shot of his agonized, twisted face as the life drains out of him. And blood slowly starts to go chip, 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 chip from the pipe onto the floor. Through the pipe, yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a dreadful scene. It reminded me of uh, Paris Hilton's impalement. Through that film she was in. Oh, I thought you meant the real life one. I <laughs> saw that movie. One. That movie was not that interesting. She even she was on the phone most of the time. Yes, but it was it was a wonderful murder. No, that scene. No, House of Wax. I'm talking about her other film. Mm. You know, her leaky film. Her leaked yes, film. Yes, with the raccoon eyes. Yes, and that would be big bright night vision glare on everything. That would be the one. So now we go back to the, the we go back to meet the other happy go lucky travelers. Slutty Lolita girlfriend waiting for Woody, who's never coming back. The other three are not coming cheap. back. He's gone to San Francisco, sister. He certainly has. He's got a pipe in the back, and he ain't not coming back. That rhymed. I'm like you now. Look at me. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> and I have to tell you this. When I first laid eyes on our poor, poor little heroine girl, Molly. Oh, Molly. I said, I'm going to hate this bitch. 
because I don't know why the costumer felt the need to dress her up like fucking Rebecca of goddamn Kiss My Ass Farms. Yes, she's like the Swiss Miss girl. She is. She's in this little prim white sundress, perfect and everything, and a big floppy sun hat and long, beautiful, tight, tight brown uh, blonde braids. And her first line was when someone suggests they go skinny dipping in that previously mentioned toxic swap pit. She goes, well, we can't go swimming. We didn't bring any suits. I'm like, you are a pain in my ass. But actually... Oh, it's awful. Actually... She was fine after that. Once she got out of that hat and those braids came down, whatever elixir was in that swamp, she became a tolerable character after that. It's like a sissy's first visit to Fire Island. They're all, oh, I would never strip down naked for the beach. One roofie, a couple lines of coke, and they're mayor of the village before you know. Exactly. And that was her problem. She needed to let her hair down. And she did. And there you are. But the funny thing about that scene. Now, apparently the director yes. was fairly was too shy to ask, to ask his actresses to get a nudity clause in their contract. What? So when that skinny dipping scene came up, he shyly suggested it again. To which they all said, no. And I think that's rather funny because you put Tanya Roberts in your film. Tanya Roberts... We'll go to the opening of a key food and take her clothes off. Yeah. Wasn't that character on Boogie Nights based on her? <laughs> Roller or girl? Am I just spreading, or am I just making, making up Hollywood rumors? I don't know. Make it up. I love it. This is like TMZ now, everyone. Oh, I had TMZ once. It was very painful. <laughs> you see? Always sick, you poor dear. Did you just drop an earring? Are you okay? What was that? <laughs> Did your teeth fall out? My my PA fell out. Oh, my eyelash. I uh, back in. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so these poor kids are getting picked off one by one. He bring they meet the strange farmer man played by. They're Chuck. not getting picked on. They're getting killed. Picked off, darling. Oh, picked off. Like I, ch- I need to turn my. Uh, Turn my, my little hearing aid up here. Mm-hmm. Check right. your batteries, Thelma, or whatever her name was. Anyway, <laughs> this strange, mysterious stranger who owns this place. And this is played by Chuck Connors of TV Rifleman's fame and apparently oh. of a secret gay porn film that you can find if one searches the internet. Oh, my goodness. Chuck was a big old bottom. Not the, oh, my gosh. So, you're searching the internet right there. Dandy is so shocked he fell down the stairs. <laughs> Chuck Connors porn. I know with that jaw. He was. Oh my. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, oh my. Oh my, indeed. And to think the wife left him, crazy. But yeah, it's really hard to describe this movie because these kids are getting picked off in supernatural ways, and every time it involves mannequins. Sometimes this guy in a mask, sometimes not, but they get terrorized for a while and then die. And sometimes, yeah. and what's never clear is like, do they instantly turn into mannequins or do they not instantly turn into mannequins? Are they made into mannequins? Are the mannequins actually people dipped in what You don't know and it doesn't yeah, fucking matter. The, the, the script super, supervisor really dropped the ball on that one. As I didn't mind as that. Because that's what I was like they do. They all turn into mannequins or not. 
That's I was looking forward to seeing little mannequin versions of them all, but you don't really get that you, payoff. You do at the very, very end. Spoiler alert. Ah. When she's driving down the road, like, ah, in the Jeep, but she's got all of her dead mannequin friends in the car with her off to their oh, next adventure. Of course. Off to the next she's adventure. Off. She's off for the sequel. She's going to start her own very own life-size Molly's Malibu dream house. Molly's in it for the franchise, really. Molly is, is it for the franchise, you know, because, you know, never mind. Now, there's a scene in this. The scene in the basement with Tanya tied up and her Jufro boyfriend. And there's another girl who we discover who's been chained down there for a while. And she is slowly and horribly killed mm. by our man in a scene that I find incredibly unsettling. Oh, I thought it was adorable, truly. Well, you would. <laughs> Anything that involves a facial is great with you. So let me set the scene. Now, this poor girl has been chained up here for God knows how long. Now, our mysterious killer, who goes by the name of Davy. That's a dumb name, by the way. It is a dumb name, because immediately I think of Goliath, and I think <laughs> of Jesus, and Jesus has no place in this film. Anyway, he shows up and says we're in a top hat and a new mask, and he says we're going to have a party, because they're going to kill the girl. Who's on the platform? Who's on the, the, what do you call, what do you call those things? Whatever it is. Not platform, we'll go with that. The mechanical bull. She, yes, she's on the mechanical bull, exactly. Which was actually a bull that had been killed and had been turned into a mechanical bull. Because that's the kind of movie that this is. Anyway. Layers. When he takes, <laughs> layers indeed. When he takes off his top hat. And what he's doing, he's mixing up his plaster and he's slowly telling her what he's going to do with to her in this calm, calm voice. I'm going to kill you now. It's time to die. I'm applying the plaster. Isn't it cool? Isn't it soothing? Soon it's going to burn. Now I'm covering your mouth. I'm covering your eyes. You'll never see anything again. I'm horrified by all of this. Hey, but the fact that this is horrible, this is, this is a PG movie, and the third thing was that that mask looked like Wayne Newton. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed it before. And I said, if he starts singing Donka Shane, I am out of here. I, w I, w I, I would have personally enjoyed that myself. <laughs> I mean, I loved the soothing voice. I loved, uh, I loved all of it, truly. Of course you would. Of course you would. You're that kind of gal. I mean, I found, I found the soothing voice to be quite, quite calming. He was like the Bob Ross of serial killers. <laughs> Plastering happy nymphs instead yes, of painting happy trees. I, I, the, you know, Stephen King considers that to be that scene to be the most shocking, most disturbing death scene he's ever seen on film. Oh my! He's a pussy. <laughs> and they showed that on Channel Nine TV at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday when I was a child with a fever. And they wonder why I grew up like this. <laughs> now, <laughs> my other favorite scene in this. It's what I like to affectionately call the cracker scene. Oh, yes, the crackers. How's that? Let's eat. That's what I said. Let's eat. Is it good? Yes, it's very good. You want some crackers? I'd like some more crackers, please. That's what I said. Yes, the crackers are very good. Are the crackers good? 
Oh, I got to fix that. This has nothing to do with anything. And yet, I love it. Because it makes no sense. It was clearly something that they just that he couldn't he couldn't let go of it for that final for that final. Well, I I don't think he should. I don't think he should because no, it, it was a nice moment of domesticity before her head fell off. That's very awkward when you're at a dinner party and one head one's head just plops into the soup. Maybe she didn't like the soup. Well, she liked the crackers. She said it twice. And what makes me laugh is that scene. That scene actually ends with a musical bump bump bump. Exactly. We had to lighten the mood a bit, after all. They the... knew exactly what they were doing with this movie. They were all high on crack cocaine. That's well, what did the little boy in, in the back of your mind feel during the cracker scene? Did he enjoy it, or did it terrify him as well? I did not remember the cracker scene as a child. I When I saw it as an adult, I rewound it. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that, that they probably cut for TV. They left everything else in, but the cracker scene was just far too much. Probably because of its racial overtones. I have to say, I thought, I really thought Chuck Chuck Connors was quite a dandy himself in some of those scenes. He was he was dressed up quite nicely. Like the Phantom of the Opera, perhaps even yours duly, very done up with mm-hmm. makeup and eyeshadow, lipstick, and wigs, wigs, wigs. Oh, so many wigs! So many he wigs! Certainly, he certainly had a robust wig box, as yes. a drag box, as all of us have at home. Whether we admit to it or not, it's true. Are you listening, Tom? I know you're sitting in there crying in the dark, wearing one right now. Oh, I know. Wishing he, you could be on the show. Wearing three, three wigs all at the same time. Bringing some kind of sense to this. But you know what? You had your chance and you fucked it up, Tom. You fucked it up. Teach you what? <laughs> and, you know, it's all... Everything, the whole movie, like even the end of it, the end of it, the big showdown... There's something about it, as for me, as a heart, there's something about it. I have the same reaction to it that I have during the dinner scene at in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, mm. Where I just wish it would end because I, not because I'm not enjoying it, well, because I'm not enjoying it. I'm just like, this is all just too horrible. I, my brain can't take anymore. <gasps> Please stop. But I think that's the beauty of really good horror. Absolutely. Something, something that viscerally takes you to that point and makes you really recognize that you're having a, a profound reaction to it. I mean, things that are boring, no matter the genre, if you don't have a reaction to it, then what's the fucking point? Exactly. That's why I brought you on. You are like that scene. You are like the end scene for me. That oh. sitting there in the darkness... In that theater that day, watching <laughs> the gory hole. Two, the one, the one about the boring guy as well, who's um, dating, who's fascinated yeah, with zombie bit, sex. Bitten a case, bitten a portrait of zombie sex addiction. That one, that one, and that, that one about the vapors. Both of them had that point where I just said, "This has gone to some place." I am not completely comfortable. Oh, Patrick, stop, stop! If you continue on. And it was wonderful. Cyber sex. And there was that choice to say, do I shut down and stop listening or do I surrender? Surrender, Patrick. Guess which one I did. (laughs) That was why, seriously, after that show, that was why I couldn't talk to you afterwards once. A, I didn't feel well. But second, I'm like, I was still kind of like, 
How, I don't know how I feel about Dandy anymore because, darling, your face contorts, contorts from such cheerful, cheerful, cheerful mask of, well, whatever that is. Well, All you know, of a sudden, it's, a it's mask, something. It's a mask. I, you know, I, I think that's. I think that's also one of the strengths of the movie *Tourist Trap* as well. Is the the just the creepy faces that those uh, those those mannequins create, and they manage to make. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Now, what, what I mentioned this briefly before, but why I call them big mouth singers, like even the, the ones that look perfect, you know, like your perfect store mannequins with tiny little, you know, kissy mouths. <laughs> For some reason, they dr- the mouths drop. You don't see any seams, which is amazing. To, 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 so you can see where the mouths are going to drop from. Yes. But they drop from all the way from where the jaw hinges at the cheek, and they drop wide. They drop. They drop far. It's, it's, like, it's like a boa constrictor swallowing, I don't know, a houseboat, perhaps. And it's very unsettling. And the other thing that Bradford noticed, you know, Mr. Bradford, my, 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 my southern debutante partner, he said, did you notice that, you know, when these mannequins start singing at you, which they do, which I find very disturbing, please just yes. kill me. Don't sing at me. It's making it worse. I'm getting very uncomfortable. But... They don't go, la. They all went, ha. <laughs> Their mouths would drop open in a single, ha. And the other one, ha. So they're laughing at you, you little plaster bitches. You know, individually, it's just a ha. But as a collective, it's, it's, a, jeer, it's a jeering laughter that <clears throat> drove me into Terrible things as a child. Terrible things, Patrick. Oh, yes. As a, as a, and, as a, yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine. Things I can't talk about. on Things the that you can't talk about? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I said terrible, terrible God. things. The nonstop laughter. If you can talk about just about anything, girl. But anyway, Taurus Trap, I don't know. We've been all over the place, and I don't care. Because as I said early, earlier, it's not the destination. It's the journey. It is the journey, and that final scene really just sums up the entire film for me because there is a feeling of optimism. You know, she has all of her spring break buddies. Why? Why were they even traveling? Was it ever? Was it ever? <clears throat> was it ever brought what? to light, or were they just in a in a car looking like sluts because what? that's what they were? Well, I don't know. Perhaps I don't know. They were all so different. Perhaps Tanya was going to a tube top convention. <laughs> that you know, poor Molly was going I've to been a- to a tube top convention, and let me tell you, those are some snotty women, and that's I'm all sure, I'll say on the subject. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Absolutely snotty. There's nothing worse than a snotty tube top. But yes, that final scene where they're off into driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, trying to make it look like it's real Arkansas, and and she has them all in her in her in her Jeep convertible, just looking like an absolute crazy person with manic uh-huh. in her car, or perhaps manic delights. <laughs> We're, manic mannequin collection. they could be going anywhere they may not be driving to another horror movie they may be going to a wonderful sitcom House Full of Dummies starring Molly of Sunnybrook Farms it's a genius it's a genius idea it could be a musical it could be anything because those mannequins can sing 
They certainly could once they're all together. Otherwise, <laughs> they sing, they laugh. <laughs> one, one note at a time. Someone has to go prop up, the, <laughs> prop up their jaws again afterwards with a stick. <laughs> hey, Patrick, let me ask you. Hey, Dandy, let me answer. Do you subscribe to Bear World magazine? Why, no, I don't. Why should I? <laughs> You know, I'm the cover bear this month at Bear World Magazine. Shut your vagina. It's amazing. Shut your hairy twat. I'm their October for the month of Halloween. How appropriate. I have a wonderful expose uh, in there. I I talk about about me incessantly, nonstop. Oh, really? What else is there to read about in Bear World Magazine? Annual, anal, whatever it's called. There's underwear ads. There is, um, there are vacation destinations for the, uh, for the, for the furry fatty. Which no, no, that's it's that's love. It's all love. I know that. I know that was love. I love my furry fatties myself. I yes, in a few, in more than a few um, critiques, I've been described as portly. Um. Barrel-chested, mm-hmm. those sorts of words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And none of those... You know what I say? I say, fuck them. I look gorgeous. My hat is stuck onto my... My teeny-tiny hat is stuck onto my head, for, I assume, by suction. So um, I don't know how that stays so firmly put on your head. You know, with or, the dark arts. Oh, it, yes. Telekinesis. Telekinesis, duct tape, and semen. Anakin plaster. <laughs> There's so many options. There certainly are. So you need to um, come over and we'll do a makeover. Oh my, my goodness gracious! Now is Bear World weekly? Is it monthly? Bear World magazine. Bear World magazine. Is that available on the stands or? No, you have to subscribe. The digital magazine. You can go to bearworldmagazine.com. And see my lovely cover, and also, also, uh, it's free subscription, and it's actually quite a wonderful magazine. I, I really, I really enjoyed working with the editor, and yes, I might be doing an astrology column with them later in the year. But you know, that's that's all up in the air at this point. Yes, much like one's legs, but that's not the point right now. <laughs> now, now here's and Dandy, I have to well, ask. Well, be there. I, I have right around the corner. Speaking of legs up in the air, mm. I have to ask the question that I know is on everyone's mind: Are you the Bear World Magazine centerfold this month? <laughs> and if so, did you provide your own staple for your navel? I did not provide my own staple. And yes, I am. I did not provide my own staple, but I did provide the screaming banshee voice. So when you open it up to the page, the wind blows, and a screaming, uh, screaming sound echoes from the pages of Bear World Magazine. That's very funny. That's often what happens when Bradford bends over. Very curious. Now, Dandy, you've got some shows in New York coming up. The Glory Hole, the Glory, 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 Glory Hole. Yes, I, I have a few shows. Take another pill, Patrick. Mama's getting a little fuzzy. Take, drink your juice, Shelby. Drink your juice. <laughs> Thank you. My favorite um, color is all blush and bashful. 
and bourbon. Yes, uh, Sandy Darkley's Gory Hole uh, returns to New York. I have a, uh, a three-night run at the Celebration of Whimsy Theater. It's on uh, t- 21 Clinton Street. It's a beautiful, uh, very cute little, little black box theater located in the East Village. And it's <clears throat> on Wednesday, the 16th through Friday, the 18th. And a few of my downtown friends are going to join me for a little boylesque and a little uh, storytelling immediately before the show. And then I'm going to do my hour of, of storytelling, and everyone will have a cocktail. It's going to be a little party atmosphere. And then October 31st, Halloween night, I return to Dixon Place for my annual variety of the damned, which unfortunately got cancelled last year by that bitch, Sandy. <gasps> oh, yes. Bitch. So you'll have to do it twice this year. Twice, I'll have to do it twice. Twice the dandy, twice the darkly. But that's at Dixon Place on Halloween night at 10 o'clock sharp. And then the next night I'm back to the Dick Dock in Provincetown for my, for my guerrilla performances under... The notorious spot of gay cruising. So that's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it called the Dick Dock? It is called the Dick Dock. Well, you do love alliteration, Dan. I so that's love perfect for you, Dandy Darkly at the Dick Dock. It just sounds like a nursery rhyme. It sounds like one of your stories. It probably will be one of your stories someday. Well, Dandy, it has been. Utterly delightful having you on the show. Oh, Patrick, it's been such an honor. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. And you know what? With all the silliness, I forgot to mention my favorite part of the film, which I had never noticed before. It's when the happy, it's when the happy-go-lucky teens first meet up with the first batch of happy-go-lucky teens who had broken down, and the, and the Jew for boyfriend got out of the jeep, looked at the spare tire, and said, "Look at the size of that hole. Look at the size of that hole." <laughs> And I noticed this time he was not looking at the tire. He was actually looking at Eileen. So So anyway, Dandy, 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 thank you ever so much. It has been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Patrick, any time. This is great fun. I hope so. Talk about more movies. Exactly. Or we just talk about you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, please. Like, you don't want to do that. Anyway, thank you for coming. I love you. I kiss you. And you freak me out. Mwah, mwah, scare kisses, mwah, mwah. <laughs> the pumpkin tells, the pumpkin tells what you're going to be. The pumpkin tells, the pumpkin tells, so listen carefully. You be a monster man, walk stiffly and look dumb. In a big deep voice, cry out, be five over. White ghost, walk on tiptoe now. Creep up quietly behind a friend, say, and take a bow. The pumpkin tells the pumpkin. 
you're going to be. The pumpkin tells, the pumpkin tells, so listen carefully. You will be a skeleton. Come on, take a chance. Be loose and jump around and grin and do a silly dance. <laughs> It's all good. That your cat doesn't, you know, step on your CPAP and smother you in your sleep. And, oh, please. You know, other good stuff. I've survived uh, that every I night. I thought of you yesterday while I was watching uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp, which oh. I think, in spirit, is one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Really? Um, not saying it's great, but then again, neither was Sleepaway Camp. No. But it kept the same spirit alive. I kind of wish I hadn't have already known the twist ending. Well, so, well, sort of. Uh, that's my whole thing there. Uh, you just take Ooh. it easy. And, and you know, when push comes to show, screen time! Bye. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's very good advice to live by. Thank you, Edward. And you said whole thing. You're talking about your whole thing. <laughs> I saw Return to Sleepaway Camp. Um... Now, I get confused because I know there's like several different branches of Sleepaway Camp sequels. And if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's about the the chunky kid who gets picked on and somebody gets crushed by a bunk bed. It was okay. It was okay. I just was rather astounded to see that after, you know, 30 years, the filmmakers learned nothing about filmmaking. Like, everybody just still stood in a straight line when they talked in groups. It was just so silly. But I guess that's the spirit of the first film. And it also had that Guido aspect that was totally lacking in parts two and three. So, I guess maybe I went into it expecting a bit too much, even though my expectations were low. But perhaps, perhaps if I put Edward's whole thing in my mind, then I will enjoy it more. Yes, thank you for calling Edward, and bye. Hey, Patrick. Hi. Um, Hi. I called because you told me to. And I really don't have much else to say, but I was wondering, have you watched Mm -hmm. that new show, Sleepy Hollow? Ah. I watched it the other day, and it was okay. I mean, it wasn't, like, really great or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll continue to watch it. What I'm really, really... (laughs) Waiting for is um, American Horror Story to start. It premiered last night. I'm just, I just really, really want to watch the. Um, well, you probably the two been. previous seasons. Uh, seasons were awesome. Um, they were both fucked up. Yes, they were. 
but you know they were awesome nonetheless I haven't watched much of anything else movie wise um oh well <laughs> i guess <Ben. laughs> i guess bye bye is all i can think of to say like your name i'm bored no not really <laughs> bye though for now okay mysterious woman of mysteriousness who i think was robin because Robin usually calls in and says something like, well, I don't have anything to say, but I call because you told me to. But maybe not, because when I specifically, you all heard me ask, you know, what's your name? And she distinctly said, I'm bored. So I'm going to assume that your name is Bored. And this is not Robin. Anyway, Bored? That, that's a kind of boring name. Well, I guess that's why you're called Bored. I'm just kidding. Anyway, Sleepy Hollow, I like it. We're a couple of uh, weeks into it now. You probably this was this call is a bit old because uh, I didn't get to the voicemail last episode. We all know why because of my dad and blah 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 blah. But um, I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's gotten better since the first episode where they piled a lot on. Like you know, within the hour you went from the headless horseman to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I'm like that's a lot of backstory up front. But now I see how they've gotten into the groove of the monster of the week. And it's filling my Buffy hole. It's got this. It's got a similar sort of snarky humor, and the creature effect is pretty good. Effects, I should say. And I'm enjoying it. So so far, so good. So Patrick is giving an official thumbs up to see to Sleepy Hollow. A hopeful thumbs up for the future. And American Horror Story debuted last night, and I thought it was pretty bonko. Pretty bonko good, and I probably already talked about this at the beginning of the show, so I'm just going to reiterate that that vaginas have evidently evolved from merely just exploding to making others explode instead. Be afraid. Be very afraid. By board. Well, okay, well, I guess. For now. Or whatever you said. Girl. Hey, Patrick, it's Mikey. Hi, uh, from Mikey. North Carolina. Nah, uh, glad you're feeling better from your surgery Thank and you. stuff, except for that little minor um, stuff in the bathroom. Um, <sighs> glad you're back, feeling good. Hopefully, this show, this show was very enjoyable. I, um, off topic thing, you know, we're going to just talk for just a second, everybody, you know. Ooh, uh, Survivor. Okay. okay. Oh, boy. Colton brings in his fiance. We we're arguing the point about why didn't they refer to him as the partner? It's I mean I admit I don't know that much about the gay routine or whatever. I don't want to inf- inf- insult anybody. Okay. You don't want to insult Colton. Why would why would he refer to him as his fiance versus partner and? Does that mean something or, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, I know you and Brad are your partner, I believe. But Mm -hmm. like I said, what's in the Gates community, what's the definition between partner and fiance? Fiance, like we were saying, is okay, they're engaged. Yes. 
Okay. Your own I'm, question. I'm just rambling. I, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad I'm feeling better. Um, keep up the good show. I will. I'll probably call you sometime in the really? future. I hope so. Bye, Patrick. Bye, Mikey. You better not stop calling me, you little son of a bitch. I'll be very upset. Uh, before we go any further, I just wanted to say that Mikey left another voicemail. Um, basically, he was just letting me know that parts of the last episode, the Friday the 13th Spectacular, at certain points, my voice sounded like I was underwater. And he blamed it on Brad's computer. And he's right. And I know. And I'm aware. Actually, that's not true. I lied. Episode 91 was partially recorded underwater just because I'm I'm Daryl Hannah. I'm Daryl Hannah in Splash. Just so you know, there it's out there. We can all move on now, sweetie. I'm not li- I'm not blah, blah, blah. I'm not watching Survivor this season, and I, I just I don't like returnees. I'm tired of them, and especially when I saw Colton was going to be on, I said I'm not supporting any program that that horrible representation of not only my community but of the human race being on it because they only brought him back for ratings. I heard it ended miserably anyway, but to answer your question, it's pretty simple. It's just like a heterosexual relationship. Let's say you're dating somebody for a really long time and you're living together, you know, then you get engaged. They become your fiance. So it's kind of the same way with long, long-term companions in the gay community, usually get referred to as partners. After a long time, you graduate from boyfriend to partner. And once a ring and whatever gets exchanged, you become, you know this part. Next thing you're going to ask, which one is the woman? And I would say Colton. (laughs) Thank you for calling, Mikey. I hope we've all learned something today. Oh, wait a minute. You hold on. You hold on right a minute there, Mr. Man from North Carolina. Now, Mikey called in a long time ago with a suggestion for the crapshoot. He wanted me to watch a movie called All Superheroes Must Die. And... I'm sorry, that wasn't for the crapshoot. That was for the firing squad. He was willing to put himself up in front of the firing squad. Mikey, what are you trying to do to me? I tried to get through that movie. It's awful. It's it's just awful. I kept trying to give it a chance. And after a while, I said, I don't even know what's going on. And I don't care. And Party City must be all out of their superhero costumes because those were terrible. I just thought it was funny how, like, the big stars that they got in, like, you know, Dexter's dad and that other guy who was in, oh, whatever that thing was in the funeral home with the guy with the, with the metal face, steel face camera, whatever, you know who I'm talking about. It, he, very clearly, they were never on set with any of these actors, ever. You never see them or one of the superheroes in the same frame at the same time, and it was just painful to watch. Mikey, I can't even put that on the firing squad because you already shot yourself you suffered enough watching that once and on the off chance that one of my listeners may say huh because sometimes they go against my wishes if i tell you not to watch a movie they say oh but you made it sound funny and then they suffer and i get emails saying patrick you were right i said of course i'm right i'm always right I don't want any of them to go stumbling onto this movie. So, listeners, just look right here. Okay, I did the Men in Black thing, but it doesn't work because this is an audio podcast. Just wondering, can you hear Brad snoring in the background? (sighs) 
Welcome to my life. Thanks, Mikey. Hey, Patrick, it's Trey. Hey, Colin, I'm City of Chapter 2 this weekend. I wanted to talk about it. Yes. Uh, I first wanted to say that I loved the first Insidious. It's one of my favorite recent horror movies. I, I adore everything about that movie. And I was really nervous I, I about the sequel. Mm-hmm. And the reviews weren't that good, so I went in with my expectations kind of low. And i got to say, I loved the sequel. It was so good. It did everything I wanted to do and more. Um, it actually is a rare sequel that really added to the first movie. Um, it doesn't. It's not a remake of the first movie. It didn't feel like a lazy cash grab. It didn't feel like they were taking the original storyline and doing a remake of it beat for beat. It took a lot of elements from the first movie that weren't really elaborated on, and it went in that direction. It kind of felt like if the first one was Back to the Future, this would be Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah, that's right. It was its own story, but it definitely was a part of the first story as well. So I really enjoyed it. A lot of scares. Really, really good. Um, but I did want to call this one thing I had that kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Not too badly. I was curious to get your input on it. That Patrick, what's his name? There's a character in the movie who, without getting too much detail, is a little bit of a trans character. Yeah. And I felt like the movie, it wasn't transphobic, but it just felt kind of weird. Um, the character wasn't a very nice character, I and adding the whole trans element to it, I, I got what they were going with it. I think they wanted to add a perverse layer to this character in the background, but it wasn't touched on enough, and you didn't need it. Like, the character was already bad enough to establish his character, and adding this old trans element seemed unnecessary. And it kind of reminded me of movies in the late 80s and early 90s where they would already take a bad character and they add to make him seem much more perverse, I would say, and on top of everything else, they're also gay. On top of everything else, they also dress in women's clothing. It just, it, it wasn't needed. The story already had a lot of plot going on, and adding this little element and the background and the history, wah, 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 it wasn't touched wah, on enough that it seemed wah, you didn't need it. You would already sound the character perfectly well, and didn't need this little trans element added to it. But I didn't feel it, it didn't come across so much transphobic to me as much as just trying to put too much into the story. So I'm curious really? to see what you think about it, but yeah, I loved it so much. The audience I saw was really into it. And just like you mentioned on Facebook, when a certain character shows up, the audience just cheered. Yes. And actually, the end of this movie hints at a third movie, and I actually would like to see them go in that direction. If mm. I get sick of sequels, but I'd like to see them do another chapter three and go in the direction they hinted. It would be something kind of nice. Anyway, I'm curious to hear what you want to say about this, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, Trey, my sister from another mister. Is that a thing now? It's a saying now. Copyright. Write it down. Okay, so, so, so Insidious 2, I'm glad you liked it. And I'm not going to rip you apart for liking it too much because it sounds like you had one of those audience perfect storm experiences. And I will not detract from that. If that was a great experience for you, wonderful. Hooray. Mine was not so great. I mean, it was, it was a great audience for a while, but they seemed to get in the same mode I got with the first half, which was just kind of routine boo after routine boo. Like, okay, here's a variation on something we saw in other movies, like that ridiculous baby walker thing that made so much noise. Who bought that for them? Who hated them so much that they bought them that fucking walker that made that much obnoxious noise? Eh. So by the time Lin Shay, sorry, spoiler, that's the character he's talking about, and I don't know why he danced around it, because I said specifically on the last episode, when Lin Shay showed up, the audience went bananas, but 
it took a turn, which was interesting. But by that point, you were they were working to get me back. And by that point, I was already finding stuff to make fun of. And believe me, Trey, there's a lot to make fun of in this movie. And... <laughs> Just the opening credit made me last when the title came up and it was just so extreme. I was just sitting in my seat going, ah, 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 the whole time it was on. It was very silly. And then when they put it up at the end, I did the same thing. But anyway, because, you know, I'm silly that way. All right. Let's address your issue. Now, the character, the, 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 the movie's been out for a while now, so I figure everyone else has spoiled it by now. It's been out like a month. So fuck it. Let's go there. The killer character. You discover that as a boy was forced to dress like a girl, a la sleepaway camp. And he's now, well, he grew up into this serial killer called the Black Bride or something like that. Racist. And, and uh, now he haunts the, the nether or the beyond or whatever the fuck they called it in that movie. And is the demon that's stalking them. In the original film, when I watched the uh, director's commentary, they had mentioned that you know, you, you see that bride character at the end. That's the demon that follows Patrick Wilson, who did not take his clothes off or even his shirt. God damn it! In this movie, follows him back from you know the other side. They mentioned that it was played by a man. That they looked at some women, but he looked creepier in the makeup as a man. So I think they just followed through. I think they gave the actor that they just wanted that actor back to give him something to do. And. Um, yeah, so they took, they find out a way to get that. And I don't think technically that would be considered a trans character. Because he wasn't born that way, he was forced into that. You know? She made him do it. And by the way, that woman's performance was so over the top, Faye Dunaway was telling her to turn it down a notch. It was funny, but it should have been scary. Not cartoony. But anyway, Trey, I'm glad you liked it. But I think you could put down your picket signs... I don't think they meant any harm, and I don't even think that technically counts as a trans or transvestite character after a certain point. Who knows? I don't care. I don't care, but I love you. I love you. Even if you're wearing a wedding dress. What? I don't know. Shut up. Leave me alone. I'm so tired. I'm not even tired. Why did I say that? Hey, Patrick, this is Scott. Uh, Sater69 on the Twitters. Love the show. I love all your Friday the 13th. Avaganzas. Because Friday the 13th is my favorite movie series either. However, I'm a little put out by this latest one because of all the talk, you didn't mention he's back, the man behind the mask. No, I didn't. Now, I say this because how many other Friday the 13th movies had a top 40 fucking hit? True. Alice Cooper, baby. Yeah. I love her. So uh, I just can't believe you didn't play He's Back, the man behind the mask. Because that's what everybody plays when they talk about Friday the 13th Part 6. I love this shit. I'm not going to pull a Zombard. I'm not going to go over two and a half minutes, whatever it is. Oh, you can go as long as you want, baby. That was dirty. <laughs> go, Alice. We really can't hear any of this. It's just a drum beat. Sing it, Satan. He's back. The mask. The mask. He's back. The mask. 
Okay, that's it. I love you. I'm glad you're better. I'm glad your your um, race's butt is healing up. No. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you soon. Uh, this is Snyder. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Oh, that rhymed. Sater, my love, I missed you more than words can say. Really, Bradford? Really? I was just singing a love song and Bradford farted. Did you all get that? You were, Did you, you were get that? recording. You were not recording. I was recording. I will kick your ass. I was singing a beautiful love song and now it's over. Oh my god, I, and Sater, I was going to say it was so wonderful to hear from you, Bubba, because you're like the jello to my pudding, and now any pudding reference just sounds gross. Oh my god. <sighs> well, I bet this never happens on Cocktails and Cream Puffs. Anyway, um, <laughs> I certainly hope not, but, uh, uh, yeah, well, I think I answered your question. Well, what's a cream puff? Stay out of it, Bradford. We're back on topic. Anyway, the reason I didn't play the song is because everybody plays it when they talk about Friday the 13th Part 6. So instead you got a polka. Not just a polka. The Pennsylvania polka. And I was, if I had more time, if my dad had not gotten sick, let's blame it on him. Yes, had my dad not gotten sick, I would have dubbed over the Pennsylvania polka. So it was like, um, toke up the reefer and head to the lake. The Jason Voorhees polka, but I just ran out of time. And I love you, Sater. Sorry I didn't make it to Pride 48 this year in Las Vegas, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year in America. Now I'm doing Fiddler on the Roof. I don't know what's happening. Well, you could have gotten a love song, but instead you got a button on the end of it from a butt. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here for the rest of my life. Thank you. Thank you, Sater. Goodbye. Hi, Patrick. This is John. I am Hi, calling John. with my comments about Home Movie, uh, our homework assignment, which I admit I had some problems with, but I, I wanted to you know, make a couple comments before I talked about the things about it, which I liked. First yes. is that the, I admit I'm kind of done with found footage movies. Oh, yeah, uh, I've just seen enough old. of them, and I haven't seen probably half as many as you, and, mm. and it just there seems to be not a lot of, of areas where, where that type of film can go. Um, also, home movie, there was a part of it, especially in um, second act, where it was just too well edited. It was cutting from one scene to another. Oh, yeah, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. the sort of thing that would be would have been done, obviously, in real time. And it also wouldn't have been done, I think, in, in editing. Some of the stuff that was really fun, and we're going to get into spoilery stuff, so um, if... Uh, if any of the listeners have a problem with it, well, too bad. Turn um, it off now. I thought it was really it cool that as you were watching the movie, you were watching it through the eyes of the kids, or you were watching it through the eyes of someone watching the tape, yes. you know, with the, with the movie replaying, rewinding, and fast-forwarding over yes. certain parts. You're not watching it from your own perspective. You're watching it from someone else's perspective, which I thought was cool. Another thing I thought was cool is that neither of the children spoke until after the... Um, after the exorcism, yes. you know, when the father did the exorcism, the, the mother basically performed a, a, a medicinal exorcism on the two kids. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I liked how they cared about the couple. They seemed like good people, and you know, they without really kind of beating you over the head with it. Right, right. Um, 
but the poor the poor deers, you knew that on Easter Sunday, once they were really happy, you knew they were dead meat, <laughs> dead and that, meat. that things were just about to get really, really awful for them. Um, I liked the movie a lot, especially doing a lot with a little bit you know, with limited resources on it, and uh, I would recommend it to people just, you know, to have a little bit of patience and suspend your disbelief. Nice. Suspend your disbelief on uh, that it being a 100% piece of found footage and really think of it as your entering the perspective of someone, and I would assume one of the children, watching uh, watching the movie. I also found it interesting as a documentary uh, perspective because I'm sitting here in my house just waiting for my own children to murder me one of these days. Um, thanks to all, everyone. Okay, um, wow. you're a, have a great show. Take care. Bye. Bye. John, 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 John. Well done, sir. You're the only one who turned in your homework. And you know what that means? Gold star. Eat that, Betty Durwood. Too busy being all canubial to do your freaking homework. Anyway, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I gave it some slack because the movie's from, I think, 2008. So we weren't completely as hammer-headed or hammered over the head with found footage as we are now. So I took that into consideration when I saw it. And yeah, by that point, really, when it got really well edited, I didn't notice anymore because I was very invested in the film. But now that you mention it, yes, you are correct. The thing that I like about it is if you watch it again, there are lots of things you didn't notice the first time or you saw and it kind of registered and you forgot about. The opening shot of the film, which I'm not saying what it is. I'll spoil it just by bringing it up. You see it and you because it's just... You know, a very tight close-up visual of, of, of wagon being pulled and what's in the wagon, and then you forget about it. Because now we get into the story. And then much later I realized, oh. Oh, pretty much when I realized what you realized about whose perspective we were watching this from. And I did think that was cool. There were other scenes as well. I mentioned, I think I told, mentioned this to you in um, uh, your Facebook email, if this is the same John is that there is a scene in which someone is killed. The father is doing something totally innocuous. He's instructing the kids on how to do something. And it goes on forever. And if you don't know why it's going on for so long, you're like, oh my God, but the second time through, the whole time, you can hear the murder happening from off camera. And he's just prattling on and on, and he doesn't even notice. And it gave me the heebie-jeebies. There's also a part where uh, they're running through the house on a particular holiday, and there was a sudden stop, and you saw what was on the wall, and I leapt out of the bed and was like, no, 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 no. Fuck all this. I also liked how the kids had that Mrs. What is her name? Bradford? Bradford. No, not Mrs. Davenport. No, on a, on a Warehouse 13. Mrs. Frederick. Mrs. Frederick. How Mrs. Frederick just makes her entrances and her exits in that she doesn't. She just kind of appears. I love that. They're silent and they just never really move. And when they do, they're just gone. It's, I thought that was really fun. Anyway, John, thank you again for doing your homework. You're my best pupil right now. Everybody else. So, 
I believe that's going to wrap things up for another show. Thank you very much. This was a great bunch of voicemails. I'm glad I got all caught up and everything because, you know, I had missed last time, but that's not the point right now. But what's going to be happening in the future? Oh, wait a minute. No, take that part out. Now, for next time, if you want to be like all these amazing people who called in to make the show even better than it was going to be in the first place, by all means, give me a call at 347-767-3509 or... You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com, and that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, and you could just rock the boat, rock the boat, baby, but if you tip that boat over, we're done. Okay, so let's talk about what's going to be going on next time, shall we? We're taking a little departure from the normal episode, and even the normal Halloween-themed episode, because of my limitations caused by my surgery. Now, I can't be checking out local haunted houses this time. So, what I'm doing, I'm checking out alternative Halloween scenes here in New York City, and I'm going to be reporting on them in full detail. Full gory, glory, whole detail. Gory, glory, 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 hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I don't know what I'm saying. Shut up. So, there'll be no movie, because I can't think of anything that's coming out. Is there any Halloween releases? happening that anybody knows of because i haven't heard of anything and all halloween movies i can think of have been have severely talked out so we're gonna do something well i'm going to do something i'm gonna do it right now i'm giving out a homework assignment yes you know you love them i know betty and Dur were just perked up like <gasps> another gold star yes another chance for gold stars for everybody because i think it was on the first halloween episode I turn the reins over to you for a bit. And since I can't go to see, you know, local haunts this year, I want to hear about yours. If you guys saw something that was great or awful, let me know. What was your favorite experience at a haunted attraction around Halloween time? You guys seemed to love that section last time. I love listening to it, and I'm living vicariously through you this year. So by all means, lay it on me and lay it on me thick baby so until next time continue to make the world a creepier place and remember as my grandmama used to say boy did i ever tell you that i know kim cattrall personally oh yes oh yes i've known her a very 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 long time in fact she was my babysitter back when i was a child That slut is old. Hi! I go hunting for witches. Heads up, galleries roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>